mercy and peace be unto God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for today is from 2 Corinthians. Among the churches of Macedonia, they gave according to their means. See that you excel in this act of grace also. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love is genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. Dear friends of Christ, when I lived in Oklahoma City, you know, down south it must be a thing, but I saw it frequently, a guy would pull out a wad of cash. I mean, just a whole round roll of money, and, and he would pay, you know, begin to flip through $100 bills to pay for stuff. Pretty impressive. I was never quite impressed, though, because I thought, what would happen if he loses it all? Because I know that roll meant something to him as a roll of money like that, probably, a th- you know, thousands of dollars, that a roll of money like that would mean something to you. Well, I say this not to say that money is bad. Okay, money, there, money is paper and silver. There's nothing evil to it. Uh, money is not bad if used in the right way. However, used in the wrong way, money is bad and it leads to greed and it leads to selfishness. And those are things that Jesus warns against. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? And then Psalm 62 tells us, Though your riches increase, do not set your hearts on them. You know, most people, well... They fall in love with money. They fall in love with their stuff. And that's why God says uh, the love of money, the ungodly love of money, the, the bad way to love money is the root of all evil. It leads you into all kinds of sins and can destroy your soul. There's a good way to love money and there's a bad way to love money. So let's consider that this morning in our theme, the love of money, the good and the bad. You know, there's a correct way to love money. I want to focus on that mostly today. Uh, But that correct way of loving money is spiritually discerned. In other words, you're not going to get this unless the Lord gives you the faith to understand it. There are some people that aren't going to get the sermon really today because you haven't been spiritually discerning these things. First, in order to spiritually discern this kind of good giving, you have to understand that Everything you have, everything you own, everything you are is a gift of God. You are what you are, you have what you have because God has blessed you. And people who understand that, that they've been received a blessing, use themselves to become a blessing to others. Jesus said, it's better to give than to receive. Would you agree with that? You ask a kid at Christmas as he's opening up all the presents, no, it's not better. Give me my presents. It's it's much better to receive. And I think there are adults that feel the same way. It's better to get. It's better to have. You know why? Again, because such giving is spiritually discerned. The world doesn't understand. They They really don't. You have to train your heart to think this way. The Holy Spirit has to be working in your heart. To learn to think about money the good way. And you do that, and you'll learn the joy of generosity. If you don't know the joy of generosity, you probably haven't learned it yet. And this is especially true as we come to understand how generous Jesus has been with us. 
You know, think about all the kindness He's shown to you. That's why Paul writes, For you know that that grace, the undeserved love of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for our sakes He became poor. He came from heaven, became man, suffered, died, so that through His poverty we might become rich. You know, when you give generously out of the fact that, that of what Jesus has done for you, that's proper, that's a good use, that's a good love of money. It's spiritually discerned. Jesus has been kind to me for me to be kind to the people around me. To equip the church, to equip people, to be generous. But again, that joy of giving, that joy of doing it, won't happen unless you've trained your heart. It doesn't happen naturally. If you haven't reached that level of spiritual maturity yet, uh, you haven't found the joy of giving yet. So this morning, we're not going to be talking about making money. This morning, we're going to be talking about the attitude, the godly attitude of money. And in our text, Paul's writing to wealthy people. They're the wealthy Christians of, of, of Corinth. Um, Corinth was a, a melting pot of, uh, uh, it was a sea city, a lot of money, uh, people from everywhere, and, and people very... Their attitude toward possessions was very high. If you had more, people respected you. And people loved their stuff. And they loved their money. Paul used, however, to teach these rich people, he used the churches in Macedonia, which is in northern Greece. And he said, there's there's some churches, some believers in Macedonia, Corinthians. I need to talk to you about them because they have a proper love for money, a godly love for money. And you need to understand that they're poor. They're not wealthy at all. Matter of fact, they're, they're so incredibly poor. Um, however, their poverty did not prevent them from being generous. Let me use them as an example. When the opportunity arose for these impoverished Christians to help the Jerusalem congregation, the Macedonians jumped at the opportunity. They couldn't get the money out of their wallet fast enough. Paul used the Macedonians as an example to remind the the greedier, more selfish Corinthian church of the gift of God's giving and what it's like to have a spirit of a generous heart and to see and learn how to love God, love money in in the right way, in the good way. Why did Paul teach godly giving to this rich Corinthian church? Well, It wasn't to shame them to give more, as you might suppose. That never works. Guilting or shaming people into giving more, that's not the way to do it. No, the purpose of Paul's letter was to teach them. The purpose of Paul's letter was to train their hearts and engage them. To get them to see that everything that they had was a blessing from the Lord and that they were blessed to be a blessing and to share God's blessings with others in need. It's just that simple. So, in our text, uh, you know, our text talks about the heart of generosity that, that was in the Macedonian believers. We want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. You see, that undeserved love of Jesus welled up in them. They knew they were saved by God's love. They knew Jesus' sacrifice. It meant something to them. The fact that God died for them and took all their sins away meant something to them. And these The amazing thing about these people, they didn't have to be told to give. 
They were poor. They understand that Jesus became poor for them. They appreciated that. They didn't have to be told to have a generous heart. Paul didn't have to preach it to them. He just gave them the opportunity to help others, and immediately they responded. The Holy Spirit directed them without teaching. They had a maturity of faith, again, spiritually discerned. They understood the good way to love money. That's the way it is with God's grace. It's spiritually discerned. Um, Understanding God's kindness, it wells up in us. That undeserved love of God, what He's done for you, how He's made sacrifices for you, all the things that He's given you, it leads people to be generous, even when they might be poor. Even when there's nothing to be generous with. Now, we don't know what made the churches in Macedonia poor. It could be that area just simply didn't have uh, you know, a lot of commerce and ability to make money. It could be, and more likely, these new Christians had lost their jobs because of the faith they professed. They were poor because they believed in Jesus. And their bosses didn't like it, and they fired them. And so they were going through tough times. That's why Paul wrote, in the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty, it welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that the Macedonians gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability entirely on their own. This Greek word, trial, they, in the midst of a very severe trial, this Greek word trial contains in it to prove character. This trial was put upon them to prove who they are. And they passed the test. They proved who they are. They loved money the right way. And they were generous. You see, God had made them poor on purpose. He'd made them poor on purpose to see what they would do. To see how they'd respond. They were under extreme poverty. Again, this Greek word... (laughs) This Greek word has the, uh, the thought of being squeezed tightly. In it. And if you've ever been in a financial pinch, you know what it feels like to be squeezed tightly. And that's the way it was in the Great Depression when people lost jobs. They didn't have money for food. They didn't have money for rent. They were squeezed tightly. There was nothing left over. Millions of people lost their jobs. And, and there's poverty that still exists like that in our world today. For example, if you go to Africa... Uh, There are believers there who are being persecuted for the faith by the Muslims. The political system comes upon them. The religious people come upon them, drive them from their homes and drive them from their farms. And they're squeezed tightly. Well, how did the Macedonians uh, do here? Uh, We don't know why the Macedonian Christians were poor, but we do know that they were generous. And as soon as they learned that the people in Jerusalem were struggling too, that they'd lost their jobs because of their faith, that they'd lost their homes because of their faith, that they'd lost their farms because of their faith, they wanted to be there to help. Uh, How did the Macedonians discern this spiritual situation? Paul says they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. These Macedonians were going through tough times on themselves. They were tightly squeezed. And yet, though poor, they gave as much as they 
were able. Dunami. That's the Greek word for able. They gave as much as they were able. And, and the, that Greek word contains the idea that God gave them the power to give. God gave them the ability to give by His grace. The Holy Spirit. We, we would say the Holy Spirit was at work in their hearts. They spiritually discerned the need and they couldn't help themselves from helping. They found joy in giving. Though the, these people were amazing. You know, Paul didn't have to beg them for money. Matter of fact, just the opposite. The people, the believers pleaded for the opportunity to get involved. And you can almost hear Paul say, are you sure you want to give that much? Are you sure? Don't you need the money for you and your children? Don't you think maybe you should keep the money for yourselves? But the people wanted their money to be used in a God-pleasing way. They, they wanted to give because they had the joy of giving. It was spiritually discerned. They had that gift of spiritual discernment regarding their money. They loved money the right way. And they saw their money as a blessing to be a blessing with others. They gave themselves to the Lord's will. And then people who give themselves to the Lord's will understand that. People who give themselves to the Lord's will understand what it's like to receive His grace so that they can receive. Let me illustrate. There's a guy that volunteered in the church to count the offering, money in the offering plates on Sunday. Now, when you do that, you know who's giving what. And so he had this inside view of the congregation and he knew where people were at in the congregation he knew the people that were wealthy not giving anything and he knew the people that were poor and giving way beyond their means people who were much poorer than he were given more than he and he thought well if they can be generous with their money when they have so little why can't i be a little more generous he began to change things in his life and he learned the spiritual discernment and the right way to love money. And eventually he found out that even though he gave more, he still had enough for his family. And he still had enough to, 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 to raise his family and to meet all, all the financial needs. Now it's, but it's never wise, as I've just done, it's never wise to compare Christians who are giving to Christians who are not. It doesn't work. It, it doesn't work raising kids. It doesn't work in spiritual giving either. A, parent, a frustrated parent tells a child, why can't you clean your room like your brother? Well, that'll motivate a kid to get it done, right? It doesn't work there. So what's Paul doing here with these rich Christians in Corinth? Well, he's showing them. He's showing them that they have the same source of love. They have the same source of forgiveness. They have the same blessings. They have the same eternal life. They have the same Savior. They have the same grace that the Macedonian believers had. They possess the same stuff. And look at the blessings you have in Jesus. Paul reminds us that we are blessed in the Lord. As you excel in everything, as you excel in faith, as you excel in speech, as you excel in knowledge, as you excel in complete earnestness, as you excel in the love that we've kindled in you, see that you also excel in this giving. Uh, Jesus said we, you know, we should excel. Just as you excel in seeking forgiveness, just as you excel in coming to church and, and standing at the altar and receiving the body and blood of Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, just as you excel in those spiritual blessings, 
excel in other gifts. This word excel has this idea of overflowing. That in the Greek word, the understanding is you excel, that you overflow. Kind of like if you've ever seen in a movie where a car hits a, water, a, a fire hydrant and the water shoots forth from the fire hydrant and you know, blow, you know, with all the water pressure and the water pours everywhere. Excel. That's the idea of excel. That it, over, that it bubbles over, that it, that it explodes, that it goes everywhere. And so also you excel in these things. And Paul reminds these Corinthians who are rich, he reminds them how they are. They excel in everything. They excel in everything. So do you. You excel in all these good things. Ephesians says that you and I excel in every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. We're like the fountains that shoot forth from the earth. And, the, and, 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 and we excel in, in, in love and forgiveness and, and in every form of provision from the Lord that comes to us. We're blessed spiritually now and we're blessed spiritually forever. And the love of God's bubbling up all around you. Are you paying attention? As you excel in all the blessings that the Lord gives you, as it overflows in abundance and it spreads to others, Paul writes, also excel in this grace of giving. Listen, God does not want to shame you into giving. He can't use a heart that's shamed into giving. He can't use a heart that gives uh, and, 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 and it feels like they're, they're made to give or commanded to give. can't use a heart like that. However, God does want you to be all that you can be for the kingdom of God. He does want you to use your faith to love others. And that's why Paul commanded, I'm not commanding you to do this. I'm not commanding you to do this, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others, with the Macedonian Christians. You excel in every blessing in Christ. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for our sake he became poor, so that through his poverty we might become rich. When it comes to the riches you have in Christ, Jesus Christ laid aside everything. He came to earth. He laid aside all his power. He took on human flesh. He became poor. He humbled himself to death, even death on a cross. He gave it all up. He impoverished himself to make you rich in all things forever and ever. How rich are you? Well, listen to our words from our Old Testament lesson from the book of Lamentations. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. His compassions never fail. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. That word portion is important. The Lord is my portion. And the Hebrew word there means ownership. You take part ownership in everything that the Lord has. The Lord is my portion. The Lord gives me ownership in His stuff. Well, if that's true, consider how much you have. Consider how wealthy you are in Christ Jesus. And as you excel in those riches, Paul also says, excel in your giving. Amen. And now may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.